0: Welcome to The Paleo View. I'm Stacey Toth, bestselling author and co-creator of PaleoParents.com, where we focus on real life solutions for families seeking health. I'm Dr. Sarah Ballantyne, New York Times
1: bestselling author and creator of ThePaleoMom.com. I'm passionate about improving scientific literacy around public health topics.
0: I like hashtags and bone broth. And I'm just a super nerd. Sarah, I feel like I have been talking to you because I watched your Insta stories this weekend about your family going to the March for Science. And I loved how, like, much of your life you were showing. You don't normally get that involved. It was so fun. I
1: uh, participated in democracy this weekend. It was, (laughs) um, it was pretty amazing. You know, I, um, it's been a strange thing as I immigrate to America and I'm not a citizen yet, but I'm applying for citizenship now um, and I'm a permanent resident. And I've become very, very engaged with um, just, I mean, the, the the country as a whole, like it's really become my home. I've been here for 12 years and, um, and I, I want to stay. And so um, I feel, and, you know, we take that sort of, you know, falling in love with this country and then taking this whole thing about just how passionate I'm about science and approaching um, improving public health through scientific literacy and advocating for science funding and um, being what I – I mean, I really think of myself as a a science translator, a science communicator. I think of myself as the bridge between academics and the general public in terms of nutrition science anyways. And um, it became just a no-brainer for me to – Participate in the March for Science. So my husband was out of town, so I had sort of briefly contemplated sort of leaving my husband and kids here and coming up to D.C. to do the uh, march in D.C. But when my husband had a, ironically, a science meeting to go to, um, I just decided, well, I'll I'll go to the march in Atlanta and I'll bring the kids along and they can um, they can see what this is all about. Um, my ten-year-old is learning about the Constitution, so we're able able to say like, this is your constitutional right for peaceful protest and come see what that's like so we made a sign um it said uh the future needs science now and uh we took public transit down which took like an hour and a half down down to the park and we we joined the march and i haven't seen uh crowd size estimates for for atlanta yet but it was definitely in the you know many thousands and um it was like a 2.2 mile march it was 86 degrees it was crazy hot And uh, my kids were troopers. We did a little bit of my seven-year-old needed a piggyback ride at up a big hill at one point. So I got my workout in Um, and then we hung out and we listened to the the talks and we took public transit home, but it was a really amazing day. And like partway through the walk, we were having so much fun, like just looking at everyone's signs, like reading everybody's signs, and just having conversations. And every once in a while we'd stop for a water break and then be walking through a completely different group of people. So we would we would just entertain ourselves by chatting with people by reading people's different signs there was a lot of really 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 nerdy like super nerd jokes written into the signs which just like amused me so much and uh, it was a it was a great experience I just um I mean we were exa- we were exhausted um, we had to stop at Whole Foods to get uh, dairy-free ice cream bars on our way home because it was just like, okay, guys, like we need a treat. That was a really, really rough day, but my ten-year-old turned to me uh, about a quarter way through the march, and she just looked at me. She said, "Wow, mom, this is really important." And I was like, "She got it." Oh. Like that was the moment where she got it that that this was um, we were a we were a group of signers making a really important statement and. Um, and there was actually marches for science in 600 cities worldwide, and I, it felt really, really important. And and you know, I felt like I needed to be a part of that. So it was it was a really great experience.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, I haven't done a march in a really long time, and I've been seeing so many people around me doing them, and it's you know, it's great that no matter what anybody believes in, that we have the right to peacefully march and and like you said live in a democracy and and get our opinions heard hopefully and um i think what's really interesting is it from a history aspect like i know my kids are really interested being that we live here in dc like when we went to the lincoln memorial uh i don't know a few weeks maybe a couple months ago um we looked out over um the reflecting pool and it Looks, you know, right down Washington, and Matt and I stood there telling them about all the famous marches and rallies that had been held there. And um, Cole was able to say, um, you know, is this where so and so spoke? Is this, you know, that kind of stuff? And I think, hmm. you know, there's such a connection to the history that we have here in this country. And I think even if you're, you know, immigrating and coming into the country, you're you're also interested in that history because it's becoming part of. You know, something that you probably didn't learn on your own in school. And so even as an adult, I think learning that kind of stuff can be interesting as well. So awesome. Well, I'm glad that you had a great weekend. My weekend was not so great. Womp womp. (laughs) Mm, I'm sorry. I sold my house, which was super exciting. And then we put a contract down in a house that was great. And then my buyers backed out of buying my house, which meant that I can no longer buy my house that I picked out till I sell it to somebody else again. So back to making my bed and not having any crumbs in the stove and telling the children that they can't wear their shoes in the house, um, such is life.
1: I i'm making what, a really sad pouty face for you i right know now. i tell you it's like and it's genuine it's like a genuine sad pouty face
0: <laughs> it is um open houses and like having your house in the market was not something made for parents of three young boys like that combination does not go hand in hand so we I
1: never leave my house
0: yeah yeah exactly well <laughs> we'll see about that <laughs> I might be in the same boat. <laughs> oh, no. Anyway, um, I'm sure everything will work out. It'll be fine. It's just like, you know, it's disappointing to think that everything's done and um, you don't have to worry about it. And then not yeah. much, so. and then back up. So how about some better news? I think that uh, we have a super interesting, fun show planned for um, our listeners, especially who have um, autoimmune conditions, thyroid conditions, and that sort of thing. I know that, um, we plan to answer a question that we both get pretty frequently that neither one of us have, um, the medical, uh, experience. We are not medical professionals, doctors to be able to answer such questions. But I think, um, you know, talking about it in terms of what to ask your doctor and that sort of stuff will be a great show for people.
1: Yeah, I'm actually really, really excited because we have one of my favorite people on the show this week. Um, Isabella Wentz uh, is a pharmacist, um, and she is like the... I would say Thyroid Queen, I think, is, is the phrase that comes to mind. Um, she has been producing just amazing, amazing resources for people with um, thyroid conditions, not just Hashimoto's thyroiditis, but hypothyroidism in general, um, and even hyperthyroidism. And um, I was very, very honored to be part of Isabella's documentary series, The Thyroid Secret. And I've decided, Isabella, um, we're besties now. That's okay, right? It's good with you. I told, I already decided that like a few years ago. All right, good. Phew, <laughs> that's that's excellent. Um, so I I love um your approach to this is um a very very sort of almost like a functional medicine approach, right? It's root cause, um, it's understanding nutrition, it's understanding lifestyle, it's understanding things like toxin exposure, um, it's understanding things like alternative therapies. um, And you have really distilled, I think, all of that into your new book, which is called Hashimoto's Protocol and is just phenomenal. It's just one of those things that I actually... It's a it's a funny book because I I literally like if I find myself at loose ends and I need a brain break while I'm working, I just pick it up and just flip through it. Like there's always something I, I'm like, oh, I must have skimmed over this the first time and I'll read this in more detail. It's it is such a wealth of wisdom, um, and such a comprehensive approach to wellness, which you know, of course, is what Stacey and I are constantly advocating for, so I feel like we're all part of the same club
2: mm-hmm. thank you i'm I'm glad to be a part of the club and and as a person with Hashimoto's myself, I'm always thinking you know really an integrative, a comprehensive approach is is the kindest approach that you can take to your health. I know some people will say, and even practitioners will say, well, there's only one way to get better. So you have to do it with nutrition or you have to do it with medications or, you know, medications don't work or medications are bad or nutrition doesn't work. And really what I feel is best is when we could pull from everything that's available to us. So whether that's um, nutrition or whether that's medication or even emerging therapies like cold laser therapy, whatever we can do to help a person with Hashimoto's, Feel better, get into remission, and perhaps reverse some of the damage of their thyroid, and perhaps prevent the progression of the condition. That that's what I'm all about.
1: So I asked you onto the show because, as a both a pharmacist and uh, Hashimoto's um, queen, I think we already established that. Um, you have a breadth of breadth of knowledge in terms of um, thyroid hormone replacement. Therapies that I don't personally have. I know the four different formulas that I've gone through with my functional medicine specialist to land on what's finally working for me. Um, and I know that for many, many people, you know, I was told like, expect it to take a couple years. And, you know, sure enough, it's been two and a half years and I'm <laughs> finally, <laughs> finally, you know, figured out the right dose and the right, you know, formula that's working for me. But I, you know, when I was told that at the beginning, I was like, really, like, we finally have a diagnosis. And now it's going to take years to tinker with, you know, medication options. And that's with a functional medicine specialist who skipped right over the stuff that wasn't likely to work. Um, And I think it's one of the big frustrating things for people with Hashimoto's that even when you're doing everything right, and you're, putting your disease into remission, that doesn't mean that your thyroid is going to work at 100% again, because who knows how long it's been attacked by your disease before you were able to make changes. And, you know, it's one of the things that, again, Stacey and I have talked about um, on the show a lot is that medication is not failure. Um, You know, that doesn't mean that we're going to, you know, rely on disease modifying drugs and skip over all of the important diet and lifestyle things to keep us going. Um, But it, it's okay to accept the best of conventional medicine in a educated and informed way and still continue with our really important diet and lifestyle choices. And, you know, as you said, emerging therapies. Um, But I kind of wanted to, to use this opportunity to have your amazing brain on our show to really get into some of the details about the different thyroid hormone options and who they might be appropriate for. Um, and also sort of what to expect in this process of dialing in on a dose and and finding um, finding a formula and a dose that's going to work for us.
2: Sure, I'd love to talk about that. And to your point, it's sometimes I'll have people that will come to me and say, I just want to get off of the hormones. And they're sort of like, I don't want to take medications, but in, in a way they're actually doing themselves a disservice if they don't start thyroid hormone medications, they could be preventing their own healing. What's really interesting is that studies have now shown that even in the early stages of Hashimoto's, even when the TSH is still not elevated, um, so that would be subclinical hypothyroidism, or even when we just have thyroid antibodies, people can really benefit from thyroid hormones. The thyroid hormones can not just make them feel better but they can sort of give the, the thyroid gland an opportunity to to rest and not be under so much attack by the immune system. And so we actually see less attack on the thyroid gland when we start thyroid hormones earlier. Um, and, and like you said, with, with a lot of us and Hashi, with Hashimoto's, we don't get diagnosed until the very late stages when a significant portion of the thyroid gland has been damaged, maybe up to 90% of it has been damaged. And at that point, um, of course, we need to be on thyroid hormones. So I always encourage people to just like you to think about medications as not a failure, but they're an opportunity for you to take back your health. And they're just one of the tools that you have in your tool shed of of healing, right? Tool shed of healing. Is that a thing? So
1: it is a thing now that is going all over our social media. When we promote this podcast with
2: probably
1: probably your bio shot attached to it.
2: If we can get, like, a little shed in the background, that would be great, too. That would
1: be not a creepy shed,
2: like a really no, cool no. shed. Maybe, like, a Tufts shed or something. That That's would be it. cool. That's it. <laughs> so, <laughs> or um, the, the someone tooling. can
0: Photoshop, like, a giant leather belt onto you with, like, tool you know, tools. Okay. Oh, like a superhero tool belt. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like yes. A, I'm a... Better than a shed, right? That's like. Been-
2: That could be my Halloween costume too. I could be like wearing a pharmacist (laughs) coat with a nice belt with all different kinds of tools in there. I can have like a carrot stick and maybe some medication.
0: What do you think? I'm, I'm, (laughs) I'm trademarking it. it. It's, you're good to go.
1: I think it's amazing. Oh yeah. I can totally see it in like cartoon form as well.
2: Yeah. That's my new branding. There we go. (laughs) Just just thought of it. Uh, (laughs) So, you know, with thyroid hormones, the Synthroid synthetic thyroid hormone, that was the number one prescribed medication in two of the last three years, which is, which is just crazy. And you would think that being such a popular medication, that this medication would work really, really well. And um, on paper, it does. On paper, um, Synthroid contains levothyroxine, which, um, which is also known as T4, which is one of the active thyroid hormones. And um, this is really, really great when it gets converted into T3, the more active thyroid hormone. And on paper, this happens perfectly every single time. And um, all the researchers will say, or not all the researchers, actually, just there's some conflict there. But a lot of the the endocrinologists will say, okay, well, T4 is the standard of care. This is the medication of choice. So you have options like Synthroid, Levothyroxine, Levoxyl. Um, are some of the common brand names in the United States, and that's where generally, if you go to an endoc- endocrinologist, you'll be started on that medication. Well, the challenge is that this medication doesn't work perfectly, um, and, and for many people, and, and for some, it doesn't seem to work at all. I, um, you know, talking to an endocrinologist, they'd say that ninety percent of people with Hashimoto's do really well on this medication with, with my experience I'd probably say maybe 10 to 20 percent of people actually do well on just T4. Most people with Hashimoto's um, they're not converting their T4 to T3 properly and no a lot times at all <laughs> right if you were just no on conversion. that yeah. you you know people will say okay well I'm on thyroid medications my doctor put me on medications but why do I still feel like my head is detached from my body. Why do I still, um, why do I have this excess weight? My hair is still falling out. My face is still swollen and puffy. I'm brain fogged. I'm depressed. And what we actually see is um, that adding some T3 to the mix, so this could be taken directly as a medication, can help a person feel significantly better. There's tons of before and afters out there of, of men and women doing nothing differently but starting on a different thyroid medication where you see the puffiness in their face resolve when you see their hair start growing back, you start, they, they lose weight without doing anything differently. Um, They say that they're no longer depressed. And in fact, T3 is a medication that's used for treatment resistant depression by psychiatrists. And so um, when I was recording the thyroid secret, I talked to quite a few different individuals who were placed on T4 medications And we're on heavy-duty antidepressants. And when they were switched over to T3-containing medications, lo and behold, their depression started lifting and started resolving, and they were able to wean off of their their psychiatric meds. And the weight improved, the energy improved. And so um, for T3, your options are going to be either doing a medication like Cytomel, um, and this is T3 that can be added to the T4, or actually taking a combination medication that contains both T4 and T3. The combination medications that are available are going to be compounded T4 and T3, which is made by compounding pharmacists. And usually they try to do it in a bioidentical ratio, and and they can also do it in a suspended release format, and they can also do some, some kind of fancy... Fancy work where they give you a little bit more T3 or a little bit less depending on what your numbers look like. So this is probably the most personalized way of of doing it. The the one thing, the one challenge to remember with compounded medications is they rely heavily on the skill of the pharmacist, and so you want to make sure that you're working with a pharmacy, a compounding pharmacist that's accredited and certified by the PCCA, which is the um, compounding centers of the of America, and they help pharmacists create dilutions where you can't mess up the dose because it's really easy to mess up the dose of thyroid hormones when you're compounding them because they're dosed in micrograms. And and we know that slightly too much thyroid hormone can be a big issue and not enough can be an issue. Um, There's also another challenge. There's uh, with a lot of the suspended release versions of the compounded meds, there's a filler known as methicill that's used a lot of times people with Hashimoto's and leaky gut just do not absorb that filler and they end up not utilizing their thyroid hormones. So I've seen people who had a TSH that was well-controlled with one medication and then they switched over to methicill containing compound, the suspended release, and the next month their TSH was at like a 15. And I've seen this quite a few times to the point where I, whenever I train compounding pharmacists, I let them know, you know if, you, if you have a person with Hashimoto's, probably don't use that. So that's one particular option. And then we also have natural desiccated thyroid hormones. Now, these contain, um, they're actually derived from the thyroid glands of animals, generally pigs, which seem to have the closest um, hormone ratios to, to us humans. And these medications, these hormones contain T4, T3 in them. And they also contain small amounts of T1 and T2, which may have some physiological activity and they can also contain small amounts of TG and TPO. A lot of people feel really great on these medications. There's a small percentage of people who may see a rise in TPO and TG antibodies, mm-hmm. um, and uh, generally at that point they would have to switch over to compounded. The The brand names for this are going to be Armor Thyroid, Nature Throid, and then WP Thyroid. WP Thyroid seems to have the fewer amount. The, few, the fewest amount of fillers compared to the other two. So this is generally going to be helpful for somebody who has multiple food sensitivities and multiple reactions to, to um, various fillers. Um, with T4, there's also a medication known as Tyrosin that I really like that is um, that's actually a gel cap and that has the fewest fillers with, within that realm of medications. So that's that's kind of a starting point for people is to know the difference between T4 and T3 and what their medications may contain and knowing that some people may feel better when they take a medication that contains T3. And that can be the natural desiccated thyroid, adding Cytomel or doing a compounded medication. Um, we see people just um, dramatically change with keeping their diet and stress habits and everything else the same. What are some other questions that you guys get from your readers?
1: Well, so I, I think I kind of want to do the, like the, the, I've got like three different branches of follow-up questions. I'm going to follow one line first and then we can come back here and follow another line, but let's talk about the patient who, you know, they, they only have access to a conventionally trained endocrinologist. Um, they start them on Synthroid on T4, um, they go up in dose a couple of times and this person is still not feeling great. Um, How would you suggest that that person approach um, either adding Cytomel or switching to something like Armour and Nature Throid?
2: Mm. So um, one of the things I always want to look at is, are you taking the right dose of medication? Um, What I've seen a lot of times is that a lot of patients are actually underdosed. So they may be um, they may be dosed to a TSH of like five or eight, which is considered a subclinical hypothyroidism, where we want to see that TSH somewhere between point five and two. So this is a this is going to be a great place to start is, is getting a copy of your own labs and and looking at, OK, first and foremost, if I'm on medication, am I dosed appropriately? Because sometimes it could be a matter of dosing. Right. And so that would be the first step if you wanted to stay on that medication so, making sure your TSH is between 0.5 and two. The the second kind of step is going to be looking at um, your levels of free T3 and free T4. So, these are the the hormones that are available in your body to interact with thyroid receptors. And generally, if a person is converting T4 to T3 very well, um, you'll be able to draw yourself a little kind of like a little half circle diagram. Where you put the bottom of the reference range on the left side and you put the top of the reference range to the right side um, for both of these lab results. And then you kind of pick which point in the middle, you know, if you were like looking at like a car uh, panel where you have one fourth full, half full, three quarters, and so on and so forth. And you would draw a, a little arrow where your T4 number showed up and where your T3 number showed up. And so if your T4, is very much to the right side where it's sort of at the top of the reference range. And if your T3 is in the bottom of the reference range, you know that you're not converting properly. So that's one trick of, of sort of doing it yourself. And this is what a lot of pharmacists will do when they help with dosing thyroid hormones. Um, and just kind of knowing, like, is it is it something that I'm not properly converting? the The challenge with working with endocrinologists is, Some of them may be very hesitant to use T3. You can always ask and you can let them know, say, say, doc, you know, I found that I have, um, you know, I'm still not feeling my best on this medication. I know my TSH is that goal, but I'm still struggling with these symptoms. And then you list out all the symptoms that you're having. I always like to recommend taking some, you know, just a couple of research papers and say, for example, I, um, I'm struggling with depression. And I saw this research paper that adding T3 to a medication regimen can help a person feel less depressed. Is that something you'd be willing to help me try? So so this is going to be a first step, and some patients have a lot of success with it. Um, There are some endocrinologists that can be very open-minded. If your endocrinologist is not open-minded, and if they, um, especially if they haven't dosed T3 before or if they haven't used natural desiccated thyroid anymore— rather than trying to convince them to prescribe that drug for you, I would actually get a second opinion or get a different doctor. And the reason for that is is pretty simple. And in my opinion, it's because you never want to be somebody's very first patient on a drug they've never used. Like, <laughs> You know what I mean? And so um, a, a little thing that I recommend is going to a, a, your local compounding pharmacy and talking to the pharmacist there and saying, Hey, are there any doctors that you collaborate with that know how to use these various types of thyroid hormones? Because, you know, the, the one I'm on is not working for me, and I'm looking for somebody who's well-versed. Um, the, the challenge with T3, and I have an, a blog post about why endocrinologists don't like T3, is it used to be used in conjunction with, um, with amphetamines and... Um, and potentially, in and some time, in some cases, other kinds of drugs like diuretics to help a person lose weight. A person without thyroid disease, and many times, um, this obviously was not a very good combination, where person would have cardiac issues as a result of it, because they would essentially be inducing hyperthyroidism and potentially mania, and you know, diuresis in a person with normal thyroid function, just to make them lose weight. And so a lot of the endocrinologists um, that are in practice now saw this with this kind of inappropriate prescribing pattern where they saw patients going into the hospital. And so T3 has been recognized as a potentially dangerous drug. And it absolutely can be if you're not using it correctly. And if you're taking it along with amphetamines or if you're using too high of a dose. So that's why I always recommend working with somebody that that really knows how to use the medications because Thyroid hormones are Goldilocks hormones. You need just the right amount to feel um, to feel normal. So you need to have them dosed in micrograms and not not milligrams. Milligrams are um, most pills are dosed in milligrams, and, and um, one microgram is or one milligram is a thousand micrograms. So they're they're just these teeny tiny doses, and very slight fluctuations can make you feel either lethargic or or you know crazy.
0: So let's Go, talk a little wait, bit wait, before you move on. Yeah. Goldilocks medications.
2: I I like.
0: I need a piece of paper. I hope people are taking notes because I want to reuse these fantastic phrases. Rob Wolf had fantastic phrases. Isabella is dropping fantastic phrases. Sarah, I think that we we've a dropped clearly. Clearly, yeah, we need to up our game.
1: Clearly, <laughs> <laughs> um, so. I wanted to talk a little bit about, um, you know, that the, you've talked about sort of the, these very small iterations and doses, but one of the things that um, I have found frustrating is not just that um, it's not just this whole like finding the right dose, but the fact that you can't make big changes very quickly with thyroid medications. So you kind of have to like you know, a doctor will sort of guess, but they'll guess very, very conservatively based on your numbers as a starting point, and then you just inch upwards. Um, and, you know, my doctor tests after I've been on a new medication for a month, which I think is actually fairly aggressive in the grand scheme of modifying thyroid medication doses. Um, so I was wondering if you could speak a little bit to that s- sort of idea of you know, testing and retesting and and making these very small iterative changes in dose as we sort of monitor those numbers and and try and creep up in, in terms of getting things in the right area.
2: Yeah, sure thing. And, and I think you mentioned that it took you about two and a half years to get stabilized. On average, it can take up to two years to get stabilized on thyroid hormones. And with with most medications, but especially with the Goldilocks and narrow therapeutic index medications like thyroid hormones, the old adage is start low and go slow. And so we want to start the person off not at the current dose that they should be on, but we actually start them off at a very low dose. So that might be 50 micrograms of T4, which is about um, a half a grain of, of other types of thyroid hormones. Um, sometimes you might even start at 25 micrograms, um, for people who are, um, perhaps have a lower TSH or perhaps have cardiac issues. We want to start them off a little bit lower and then we increase every four weeks or so, um, based on lab results. So when you are starting off, you would start off at this teeny tiny dose and then you would go to the lab again and test again in four to six weeks. I prefer testing in four weeks because that gives us a better idea quicker. Um, you know, the, the drug takes a little bit of time. It has a bit of a longer half-life to, to stabilize in the body. And so we're testing every four weeks, and then we're looking at the labs, and then we're deciding if we need to increase the dose. I I'd like to be very conservative with dose increase, increases, um, 25 micrograms at a time, although some doctors may feel more comfortable going up higher I'm used to working with people who are very, very sensitive. So I always tend to err on the side of caution where we just increase it very, very slowly. And then we work towards seeing when a person's TSH, generally most people feel best with it between 0.5 and 2. We're looking at where their T4, T3 levels are. And and, and most importantly, how are they feeling? Um, That is going to be pretty much the, the most important thing is figuring out how is this person feeling? Are they feeling like they have palpitations even with this tiny dose increase. Do we need to slow things down a bit? Do we need to take it back? Um, are they feeling, um, you know, are, are they feeling more nervous? Or are they feeling more anxious? Um, whenever I have a person switching from one type of medication to another, so if we were switching from T4 to natural desiccated thyroid or um, compounded thyroid, I actually like to test a little bit sooner just to make sure that we're on the right track and that the person is absorbing the medication appropriately. I've had a few, um, consulted on a few clients cases who, who were, um, placed in very, very dangerous situations where they had thyroidectomies and their own thyroid glands were, were not there. So they weren't able to produce any thyroid hormones and their doctors waited too long in between the, when they switched over the medication until the next test. And these people ended up severely hypothyroid. So generally, um, definitely, if somebody has had a thyroidectomy, I will will look at monitoring that much quicker. And if they've had a, if they're switching over from one version of thyroid hormone to another, because we have different charts and calculations that we can work with, but those are not always exact. And we don't know how the person is going to absorb the fillers. And again, with thyroid hormones, even slight tweaks can be different. so sometimes I'll do that a little bit earlier, maybe at two to three weeks, and then, of course, if a person is ever having symptoms like palpitations or anxiety, we would. We would want to recommend that they measure their hormones. Um, one really important thing for people that many doctors don't even realize is if you're taking a medication that contains T3, you actually want to do your thyroid hormone testing before you take your day's dose of medication. Otherwise it can, it can look like you're hyperthyroid. And unfortunately some, some of my, um, clients and some of my readers have reached out to me where they were feeling really great. And then they switched doctors and the doctor didn't tell them how to test their hormones. And they tested them right after they took their thyroid hormone for the day within, you know, 30 minutes to an hour. And then the person looked like they were hyperthyroid. Whereas, um, we want to give give our bodies space to actually stabilize from that initial peak that occurs after you dose the medication. So so that's something that's really um, critical to know if you're taking a T3, T4 I've actually medication. I've
1: had that conversation with people because my doctor always says, you know, don't take your medication till after you've come in and done your blood test on the mornings that I do my blood tests. And um, I've had other people go, wait, what? <laughs> Why? <laughs> Well, because we're looking to see what the stable level is, not the spike right after I've taken my medication. And um, and so I'm really glad that you mentioned that. Um, one of the things that um, I know it's been interesting because it, having Hashimoto's is like being in a club with like the worst hazing rituals to get in ever. <laughs> and um, and so there's a lot of us in this community and and. I've talked with many, many people with Hashimoto's and just sort of, you know, comparing experiences type conversations. And one of the things that I find really interesting is how – Little we can predict a final dose that somebody will feel great on based on their initial numbers on diagnosis. So, I have friends whose numbers were, you know, their TSH was crazy high, and my TSH was never actually high. My um, T4 and T3 were low, and I had antibodies, which was my diagnosis, but my TSH was never, you know, off the rails. They had TSH that was, you know, 17 and, you know, no T3 whatsoever. And they're stable at a quarter of the dose that I'm stable at. Um, And so, you know, having this sort of, you know, realization of just how individual a lot of this can be and how important it is to incorporate an evaluation of symptoms into the decision-making process. And I was wondering if you could sort of speak on that a little bit, because it's been my experience is, is purely as a patient here.
2: So, um, so symptoms are really, really important to try to determine if a person has um, the proper amount of thyroid hormone on board. Generally, I find that most people feel best with a TSH between 0.5 and 2. But it, it's still the symptoms that we need to look at. So, if you're looking, um, if if you're looking at some of the subtle signs that you still may be underdosed or even overdosed on your thyroid hormones, the things I recommend looking for: if you have straight hair, having tangled, thinning hair or even hair loss can be a potential sign and symptom that you're not properly optimized. If your eyebrows are thinning, if your hair is still falling out, if your face is looking puffy, if you're having brain fog or memory loss, um, any kind of sadness, fatigue, if you're not properly sweating, if you're colder than the average person, um, if you're still struggling with your weight, if you're having joint pains, especially carpal tunnel, these are all potential signs and symptoms that you may be underdosed for your your body, GI symptoms, Uh, GI symptoms, constipation, um, diarrhea as well. But those can also be, you know, there's, there's so many different root causes that can contribute to that. Like your thyroid hormones may be perfect, but you might have SIBO, and that's what's causing your constipation or diarrhea. So, so that's not always a, a dead giveaway. That's not always a tell, but always something important to look at as well. Um, Heavy menstrual periods always I kind of think about is that that related to not being properly dosed. And then for hyperthyroid or having too much thyroid hormone on board, we're going to be seeing excessive sweating, palpitations, insomnia, unintentional weight loss, scanty periods where you just can't stand the heat, um, palpitations, rapid heart rate, and then this is kind of the, the most awful feeling is if you are very irritable, if you tend to be more agitated and restless. So if all of a sudden everybody around you just turns into a horrible person, that could be a symptom that you're overdosed on thyroid medications. <laughs>
1: Sorry. I was just like, the the idea that I'm agitated and irritable, but I, I process that as like everybody around me is horrible. But I mean, that, that's totally an amazing description, but it, it just... Yeah.
2: I mean, that, that is yes,
1: but I I liked that description.
2: The trick that I learned is for myself personally is, is I try to, if I ever feel like that, I try to step back and and try to think about the people closest to me and and the, and actually my dog too. And I'm like, is my dog horrible? And then if the answer that my dog is horrible is yes, then then it's usually me, not everybody else.
1: (laughs) 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 Yeah. It's, it's sort of an interesting, you know, for somebody with, um, with Hashimoto's and um weight uncontrolled weight gain as, as part of that, which was of course, you know, a huge part of my health history. You know, we hear that list and it's like all bad things except for like the unintentional weight loss, and you're like, Well, that part sounds really, really good. If we just have that without the heart palpitations and the heat intolerance and the <laughs> insomnia
2: and the yeah. Wouldn't that be nice? But no, sorry, those things mm. come as a package deal. <laughs> yeah, it's too bad. Too bad. Yeah, and that's what happens when people are given excess thyroid hormone to lose weight. Um, and unfortunately, I have seen people who have damaged their hearts because they were overdosed, where they were taking, you know, five, six grains of armor or something to that effect, where um, they were just dosing to symptoms. So, so you want to look at symptoms as part of the picture, and thyroid could be one potential thing and then you want to look at the numbers like are your numbers consistent with your symptoms cuz a lot of the other things to consider is is your fatigue because you don't have enough thyroid hormones or because you're deficient in thiamine it are you um, you know are you irritable because your adrenals are shot or is that because you're overdosed on thyroid hormone um, you know and there like an example with the with the constipation yes that could be A thyroid symptom, but it could also be SIBO, it could also be H. pylori, it could also be parasites. So, really, the whole point is looking at the whole picture and looking at what your body is presenting. And I think, as a patient, just really educating yourself about everything else that's going on with Hashimoto's. That's been a really big part of my message, even though I'm a pharmacist and some have called me a. you know, like a a trader or a rebel pharmacist or, (laughs) or heretic, right? Because I'm, I'm saying that there's a lot more to thyroid disease than just optimizing hormones and hormones are so important, but there's also all these other things that we need to dial in that are going to be out of balance.
1: So I think that's an excellent segue to mentioning your new book again, uh, which I totally want to do because it's amazing. Um, Do you want to give your like, Thirty second elevator pitch: um, Why writing this book was so important.
2: Sure, thirty seconds. So let's see. You so, take yeah. a
1: minute. If you need a minute, take a minute. Okay. It could be a so, long. It could be like a skyscraper. <laughs>
2: uh, so Hashimoto's protocol is a, a guide for people to take charge of their own health and to support their body on um, their journey to recovering from the condition. I go through the most important kind of. Fundamentals that people need to do so: supporting their liver, supporting their adrenals, and supporting their gut. So these three body systems are oftentimes going to be out of balance with Hashimoto's. With the liver, um, we majority of actually T4 to T3 conversion takes place in the liver, and so you can actually improve your conversion of T4 to T3 when you support your liver properly. The other place that happens is in the gut and um, adrenal recovery protocol. um, This is really critical because. Whenever we start taking thyroid hormones, that actually increases our cortisol clearance. So that means we have less cortisol in the body. This is really great for people who have high cortisol, not so good for people who tend to have low cortisol. And in fact, we see a lot of times people with Hashimoto's, people with fatigue, they're oftentimes going to have low cortisol throughout the day. And thyroid hormones can actually exacerbate that if, if that's all you do. And so getting those three fundamentals in place is going to be key to helping a person feel better. And then I have advanced protocols where we go through how to optimize your thyroid hormones, how to master your nutrition and nutrients, how to overcome traumatic stress, um, all these chronic infections like SIBO or H. pylori that can be hiding and causing um, thyroid antibodies. We address those and then how how to remove toxins. So it really is a comprehensive plan where you look at how to really um, show up when you have this condition and live your best life.
0: I think it's really interesting to me to hear you talk about the system integration and um, for example, liver support um, helping the conversion. I think that those are really practical application and interesting things that um, from a, uh, execution standpoint like you know ha- how to do it in your own life and, and things to be aware of and things that you know you you yourself can look into without necessarily um, needing medical intervention or in support of medical intervention I think those are a lot of the things that people are looking for so that um, to me sounds like a fantastic resource that uh, people can use to you know better their overall health and certainly even if you don't have or aren't aware of thyroid issues improving your gut health and your liver health and all that kind of stuff is never going to be a bad thing.
2: Mm -hmm. The other thing too is people uh, may not always find a doctor in their area that can guide them through everything but there are things that just about everybody can do and, and that's why I'm so excited about the work that you ladies are doing is empowering people with Taking charge of their nutrition. So sure, a doctor can tell you to change your diet. A lot of them are not going to, and that really depends on you. Even even if you have all the information in front of you, that's really up to you what you do to change your to change your health and and the choices you make on a day to day basis. And so the fundamentals go through that. What what are the things you can do on your own that are going to be safe um, and effective for most people with Hashimoto's and a lot of it is um, stress management and taking supportive vitamins and minerals, and and eating delicious, really clean foods to to help guide you on your journey.
1: Isabel, is there anything else you want us to touch on?
2: So one of the things that really helps is being an empowered patient and knowing knowing what you need to do, and then knowing what the responsibility of your doctor is in your healing. What, what's your and a lot of things you can do on your own. And there are some things that you may need to have a practitioner to work with. So for best results, I recommend working with a functional medicine practitioner or um, somebody that's, that's trained in integrative medicine that can approach the thyroid condition as a whole. Now, this may be separate from a person that is prescribing you thyroid hormone, or it may be the same person. So if you're looking for somebody to work with, the thing that I really hate the most is when somebody shows up at a doctor's office and they're like, can you test my adrenals? And they're like, yeah, I'll test you for Addison's. And it's it's sort of um, a very big disconnect conversation of what the patient is is looking for and what the doctor is, is willing to do and what the doctor is knowledgeable in. And so the questions I recommend asking are going to be, um, does the practitioner prescribe compounded thyroid medications or natural desiccated thyroid medications, for example, armor thyroid, nature thyroid, WP thyroid, does the practitioner prescribe low-dose naltrexone? So this is an amazing, um, very, very low in side effect medication that can actually put Hashimoto's into remission and make, make about 40% of people feel significantly better. Does the practitioner order adrenal saliva testing? That's generally when you're going to know if they're more integrative or if they're more conventional. Conventional doctors think that adrenal saliva testing is complete voodoo, um, yeah. although, but it, it does really help. It does really can really make a difference when you get those results and you and you utilize appropriate protocols. And then does the practitioner have an account with functional medicine lab companies like Genova Diagnostics, Doctors Data, ZRT, or BioHealth? This will help you, you know, get the testing that you oftentimes need to figure out what your root causes and triggers are. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've had um, really frustrated patients try to ask their endocrinologist to to order these labs and, and then they're not going to do it. They're not trained in these labs. They don't even have accounts with these labs. And then does the practitioner order food sensitivity testing? So this is going to be different than food allergy testing. I've had, um, unfortunately, some readers who who sought out and went to an allergist and they got the itchy back test, which is great for for immediate food reactions. Like if you have anaphylaxis from shrimp or something, That would that would definitely uncover it. But this is not going to catch food sensitivities, which are considered more experimental. And so these are some some of the cardinal questions to ask before you make an appointment so you can save yourself the headache of, of you know, driving an hour to go see somebody just to find out that they're not willing to work with you in a comprehensive approach.
1: That is fantastic advice. It's been one of, for me, one of the most important aspects of my health journey was finding a really good, um, functional medicine doctor to work with. Um, so I'm glad you, you kind of wrapped all of that up for us. Do you want to, um, before we, um, wrap up, do you want to let people know where they can
2: find you? Sure. My website is thyroidpharmacist.com and, um, if they go to com slash gift, I have some recipes and, and a quick starter guide and a little bit more information about nutrient depletions to get people started on feeling better with Hashimoto's. I know I made a lot of mistakes on my healing journey and it took me quite a few years to actually start feeling better. And my goal is to help people feel better faster. This is the kind of stuff that keeps me up at night. So I'm I'm always putting out new information um, about how to get people feeling better and feeling their best so that they could live, live their full lives.
0: <laughs> well, I can't thank you enough for... Joining in, not only sharing your information but also adding fantastic phrases to the repertoire that I now need to keep on my bedside table (laughs) to remind myself. I think, um, you know, while I joke, I I think the empowered um, person is what Sarah and I do this podcast for, right? We we want to educate and empower people to have information to take control of their own health, knowing that, you know, you can't always do things within your own lifestyle framework, but that you can be educated to have a conversation with a medical professional and know whether or not they're the right fit for you and to help tailor the results. So I think, um, it's, it's such a fantastic mindset and I see why Sarah says you're part of the cool club. Although I was a little offended in the beginning when she said you guys were besties. But I get it. I mean,
1: we're all we can all be besties. <laughs> I it can love be it. multiple it. besties. It can be. Yeah, a, can. It can be besties group.
2: We can start our own
0: club. I love it. Done. The hashies club is uh, already
2: established and very large. Yes. We're, we're, all of the most. All the most amazing women have hashies. That's the, I just I've noticed that. I don't know if you guys have. <laughs> <laughs> Evidently.
1: Well, thank you again, Isabella, for joining us, and thank you everyone for listening. We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to The Paleo View. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes. You can also support us by shopping for our favorite paleo products on the sidebars of our individual websites or by donating through PayPal.
0: I'm trying to think of something that we haven't yet said
1: to start the show. Uh, I know. I I did I took my kids to the March for Science yesterday.
2: Did you?
0: Yes.
1: Yes, I did. So you can start with that, Stacey.
2: Okay. Seeking the truth
1: never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties.